Michael can do just about anything. Michael Buchanan, song leading, helping out with the children's ministry, riding a bull are a few things that Michael Buchanan can do. And you did a great job, and I'm glad you filled in. John Scott is here, of course. He is helping out, get, helping get things set up for, um, for the medicine pack tonight. John Scott is another one of those guys that can do about anything. He's kind of a, a Swiss Army knife of ministry, if you will. He has been our children's minister here at a time. He was our, our adult education minister for a while. He, of course, is our worship leader, and he handles a lot of these special um, ministries, projects, events that come up. And so this is a big, this takes a lot of work. And I appreciate John Scott for all that he does with Guatemala and the medicine packing. Do you need this? All right. We're going to be in our powerful prayer series once again tonight. Uh, coming up, I've told you guys, I think already, we're going to have a couple of special weeks next week and the week after. Uh, Steve Holiday will be here. He's been here before. He'll be back. He travels around the U.S., travels abroad as well with his ministry, Ultimate Escape. And Ultimate Escape is basically a teaching and training ministry, uh, primarily targeting youth, but also working with parents and adults as well, dealing with issues really of wholeness in Christ, of sexuality. And so he's going to bring a couple lessons, and he always has really creative ways to share um, some key concepts. So I think you'll want to be here. Definitely want um, younger folks, maybe not under 10. I mean, I don't know. He didn't give me any rules on that or anything, but I'm thinking probably be really good for people 10 and, and up um, to talk about a kind of a strong, robust, healthy, biblical theology of sex. Tonight, we are in Lesson 24 of our Powerful Prayers series, and it would in some ways work perfectly if we could just wrap the series up tonight because we've got some special things coming up this series. I'll be preaching some, but I've got some James Prather is going to be here and, and Steve, of course, is going to be here. So it'd be nice if I could finish tonight, but I, I think there are a few more powerful prayers left in the New Testament that I want to get to. So we'll just have to be patient and, and we'll get there eventually. Okay, to get things started out, let me just say, you've probably heard this story before because I'm not the only preacher who has told this story before. It is a good one. Um, I know I cannot tell this story by memory, and I've been impressed by a couple of preachers who can, so I'm going to have to read it. Once upon a time, there was a man in New York City walking across the Brooklyn Bridge. He saw a second man who looked like he was about to, to jump off the bridge to his doom, he stopped and he said to him, Surely it can't be that bad. God loves you after all. Um, the man about to jump got a tear in the corner of his eye and he looked at the other man and said, Do you really think so? Are you a Christian? Are you a Jew? Are you a Muslim? Are you something else? And the man who stopped to help told him, I'm a Christian. I'm a believer. The jumper said to him, Well, I'm a believer as well. Um, he asked uh, or the helper asked him, really, you're, you're a believer. Are you a Protestant or are you a Catholic? Uh, the jumper said, I'm, I'm a Protestant. Um, the other guy said, well, what denomination do you belong to? He said, I'm Baptist. And uh, the helper said, so am I. Are you Northern Baptist or Southern Baptist? Uh, the fellow who's about to jump said, well, I'm a Northern Baptist. What are the odds? So am I. Are you Northern conservative Baptist or Northern liberal Baptist? Northern conservative Baptist. Me too. Are you Northern conservative fundamentalist Baptist or Northern conservative reformed Baptist? 
I'm Northern Conservative Fundamentalist Baptist. Me too. Are you Northern Conservative Fundamentalist Baptist Eastern Region? Um, he said, I'm Northern Conservative Fundamentalist Baptist uh, Great Lakes Region. And the guy said, so am I. That's exactly what I am. Are you Northern Conservative Fundamentalist Baptist Great Lakes Region Council of 1897 or Northern Conservative Fundamentalist Baptist Great Lakes Region Council of 1912? I am Northern Conservative Fundamentalist Baptist Great Lakes Region Council of 1912. And the guy who stopped to help shouted, Die, heretic! And pushed him off the side of the bridge. Well, that story's funny because there's some truth to it, I think in that every Christian tribe, every Christian group has its traditions, has its particular interpretations of Scripture and stances on issues that they hold dear and that they believe differentiate them from everyone else in Christendom. And I know what ours, ours are, in the churches of Christ because that's my tribe. If I was a member, if I was a Lutheran, I would know what theirs are. If I was Baptist, I would know what theirs are. But I know what our people's issues are. Um, we have fought over just about everything um, from kitchens in church buildings to whether or not you can have Sunday school or not to whether or not you can have musical instruments or, or not. We've battled over whether it is scriptural to take communion with more than one cup and one loaf of bread. Yeah. Uh, in, my, in my hometown of 10,000 people, we had a church that was one cup. We had a church that was non-Sunday school. And then we had our church, which I would hardly call liberal, but I guess we were in that town. Um, we have had fights over whether it is okay to serve in the military, really, back in the early 1900s and and into maybe 1940, that was going pretty strong. Uh, we had, uh, we've had fights and divisions. See, we've divided. Let, let me be clear. We've divided. Okay, We've split churches over each one of the issues I've already talked about. Uh, we've split churches over whether or not you can support Christian colleges, whether or not you can support orphanages, whether or not you can cooperate with other churches of Christ, of course, uh, to do good works. We have certainly fought over whether or not you can cooperate with other Christian groups outside the churches of Christ to do good works. So we've, we've argued, we've de debated, we've divided over all of those issues. Like I said, that's our stuff, but I'm confident that other groups have their own stuff, their own baggage, uh, their own battleground issues, so to speak. So, it doesn't take much to make Christians fight with each other. And I'm sure a lot of us here tonight in this auditorium bear some battle wounds from some of those disagreements and fights. And I suspect some of us maybe have even scarred other people. And I thank God that we are a congregation at Preston Crest. And I say this with, with humility and with gratefulness. I, I am thankful that we are not perfect, but we do seem to get along with each other, other pretty well. Um, we have a good history of that here. And I don't take that for granted at all. It is something that you have to constantly work toward, work for, pray toward. It's not easy. Um, because we are, at this church, a group full of different kinds of people. Um, 
unlike a, like a church plant, you know, a community church that just started a few years ago, we are a multi-generational church. Generally, your church plants are mostly like 20-somethings or mostly 30-somethings or mostly 40-somethings. Kind of people tend to look the same. Well, we're not like that. We have the, pretty much every, every age range is pretty much equally represented here. We have a really strong uh, young married group and a really strong singles group, but we also have a really strong older adults group as well. So that's great. But those differences, they make it challenging, don't they? Because along with those kinds of differences, you have the differences over personalities and styles and that kind of stuff as well. So it is not a given that you're going to work in, in unison, that you're going to be rowing the same direction, that you're going to be in peace in a church, especially of this size. So we come... You know this, we come with different perspectives. Everybody has their perspective. We come with, diff- with different preferences and styles. Um, and let's face it, I think my preferences are the right ones. And you think your preferences are the right ones. That's the way that works. And we each still battle, aside from all that, we each still bottle, battle with sin and temptation in our own personal lives. So yeah, it's challenging. It's challenging to love each other. It's challenging to remain united as a community of believers. Now, maybe, <laughs> maybe there are a few folks here at Preston Crest that you might want to give a shove off the bridge. I don't know. Um, I guess it would be the Brickland Bridge. It would be the Margaret Hunt Hill. Is that right? Margaret Hunt Hill Bridge. Um, maybe that's, that's it here in Dallas. But, but here's the thing. Um, and this is what us preachers get to do very often, at least if we're doing our jobs well, and that is we get to tell the church what the church already knows. We get to remind the church of what the church already knows. And this is it. Unity matters. You know that. But we've got to be reminded of that constantly, I think. Um, The Lord Jesus uh, holds that at the heart. It's not just one thing that's important to him. It's one of the very most important things to him. And I can say that confidently because in the final hours of his earthly life, that was the prayer, right? That was the prayer that was on his lips. Um, just hours, two hours, three hours before his arrest and then his crucifixion and his death, we find Jesus in intense prayer, the theme of which is the unity of his followers. So here we go. The powerful prayer tonight is from John chapter 17, verses 20 to 24. And I don't have time to, the whole prayer is really around unity, but here's just a part of it. He says to the Father, I am praying not only for these disciples, but for all who will ever believe in me through their message. So, just to be clear, is this a prayer for us? Yes, okay. This is a prayer that 2,000 years later is still the prayer Jesus has for us. So starting over, I'm praying not only for these, that group that was faithful to him there toward the end, uh, but I am I'm also praying for all who will ever believe in me through their message. I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you. 
and they may be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me so they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. There's a lot in there to unpack. That you love them, Jesus prays, just as much as you love me. Wow. Um, Tonight, I don't really plan to say a lot. I'm hoping that we can have a little more time for the medicine packing and, and all of that that needs to be done tonight. And I'm afraid if we go too deep into talking about uh, the ways to improve the strength of our fellowship, you know, ten things that improve unity or strategies for, for avoiding divisions and conflicts or, or dealing with, not, not avoiding conflicts, you don't want to avoid conflicts, but for dealing with conflict in a healthy way, I think if we dive into all of that, I think we might end up missing what is the thing that we're really not supposed to miss here. Um, that is just simply recognizing how incredibly important unity is to Jesus. I think if we walk out of here just remembering that once again, then we have done well tonight. And I think that matters a great deal more than any strategies or tactics for improving unity or dealing with conflict because I think if I know, if you know, if we know and understand how deeply Jesus cares about our fellowship, our community, our unity, then we will be willing to go the extra mile or the extra 10 miles um, to produce that unity and steer away from attitudes, comments, or things that might undermine it. Does that make sense? Um, I think it's a struggle because there is something about us. There is something about human nature that, that seems to turn us, seems to steer us toward thinking that whatever group I'm part of, that's the right group, or that's the best group. And there's something about us, and it can be the 4-H club, if anyone knows what that is. I was a member of the 4-H club as a kid. Or it can be FFA, or it can be the Bull Riding Association, or it can be, you know, whatever, the PTA But there's something about us that says, whatever group that I'm in, that's the best group. And whatever group is over there that I don't know much about, well, not too sure about them. And that dynamic works in Christianity just as it works about uh, in any other group. I mean, you see that dynamic. This is the funny thing. This is not something I'm making up tonight. You see that at work in the hearts of the followers of Jesus from the beginning the disciples who are closest to Jesus, that dynamic is at work in them. So, of course, it's still at work in us. In Luke chapter 9, the apostle John, the love apostle, right? The apostle John comes to Jesus and he says, Lord, we ran across a guy who was casting out demons in your name. You remember this? We ran across this guy. He was casting out demons in your name. We told him to stop. Because he's not part of our group. And you probably remember 
Jesus' response as well. Well, here it is in Luke chapter 9, verse 50. Jesus said, Do not stop him, for whoever is not against you is for you. And here's what we want to do. We want to, what is that? What is that saying? What do you mean by that? Let's just, let's just, let's just take it in. Instead of work, try, trying to figure out all the implications, just accept what Jesus says, okay? He is not happy with that. If they're not against us, then they're for us, okay? Another time, Jesus told his disciples in John 10, 16, again, we, we don't have to work all of this out to, to see the main point of what's important to Jesus. In John 10, 16, he told his disciples, I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. So other sheep, other sheep pen, but one flock, one shepherd. Um, One of the most helpful things that I see in Scripture about this question of unity as far as just the simple... Uh, principle of the importance of it is comes from Paul when he's writing. Of course, Paul's a missionary. He's working with all kinds of churches, and I mean, they were different, right? The Ephesian church was different from the Corinthian church, which, which was quite frankly just a mess. The Laodicean church was, a, I mean, just, so he had to work with all these churches, and so unity was a constant priority for him. And, uh, and he wrote... So I'm skipping one here, I think. I'm going to go back and get that other thing. He wrote in Ephesians 4, 3, Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Make every effort. Okay, message received. Um, That's important. I know that's important. It's important enough for me to try this and this and this and try that again and try something different, whatever. Every effort to keep the unity that is important. Now, one of the most not, uh, not, not, non-biblical is not the right way to say that. One of the most uh, ec- helpful extra-biblical things I've ever read, and I've seen this attributed to everyone from St. Augustine to, to uh, John Wesley to uh, different people, even some of our Restoration people, but uh, maybe, maybe St. Augustine is the oldest, so maybe it's from him. Um, but I've seen this. I think it's very helpful on this idea of unity. Um, He wrote this. I think he wrote this. Somebody wrote this. It's good. He wrote, In essentials, unity. In non-essentials, liberty. In all things, love. Essentials, unity. Non-essentials, liberty. All things, love. Um, Helpful. Of course, you can see right off the bat where this breaks down, right? I mean, the debates come up when someone says, okay, okay, but these are the essentials. These are the essentials. And this other guy's like, no, no, no. These are the essentials. Um, I remember one time, so this is just anecdotal, not in the notes, so probably a dangerous thing to share. Um, (laughs) When I get off, sometimes things get a little crazy. But I remember my best friend in high school, David Pentecostal, full Pentecostal, okay, 100%. Their church had like... 12 people in it, and they were hardcore Pentecostal. I went to a youth thing with him once or twice, and, and his, ma, his, no, his grandmother was a prophet, and so I went to visit her one time when somebody was sick. She's like 80 years old, and she was speaking in tongues real loud and doing all this stuff, and I was like, what? You know, not part of my experience, all right? 
Well, David, I was trying to tell him one time, hey, you need to, you need to do this and you need to do that and, and blah, 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 blah. I think we were talking a lot about baptism and things because he, he hadn't been baptized. I was like, wait and, and I'm like, but we're, you know, we're the New Testament church. You want to be the New Testament church. And that just made total sense to me. He said, okay, well, where's the tongue speaking at your church? Where, that's the New Testament church. Where, where are the prophets at your church? And I was like, uh, <laughs> you know, I didn't have all that worked out yet. So anyway, it was interesting, though. It was helpful for me to see somebody with this totally different perspective. And I was like, wait a second, you know? So anyway, that's where it breaks down, though, when, you, when we talk about, well, what are the essentials? Um, well, that's when part of me wants to answer, okay, why don't we just start with the, with the idea of unity? And I say that because that is one thing we know for sure. We may not know which are super important all the time, okay, and which maybe aren't quite as... We may not... That may be harder to figure out. What's not hard to figure out is unity is one of the really important things. We know that for a fact. So we can all agree on that. Uh, at the end of his life... The son prays to the father, I pray that they will all be one. So very important uh, to him. And then Paul talking about making every effort. Uh, so Christian, Christian unity, fellowship, uh, the, the idea of community, it takes work, it takes grace, it takes mercy, forgiveness. And as Jesus modeled for us, it takes prayer. That's part of the work of unity is praying. So why don't we do this? Let's, let's bow our heads. I think it's only appropriate, only right, that we would pray tonight about this. So bow your head with me, and let's pray these words that come from the very heart of Jesus. I'm just going to pray what he prayed. Lord God, we come before you tonight, and we echo the words of your one son, your only son, Jesus, when he prayed. I'm praying not only for these disciples, but I also pray for all who will ever believe in me through their message. I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe that you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me so that they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Father, we pray those same words that you have heard before 2,000 years ago. We ask that you will unify us, that you will make us one. And Father, while we, we may not agree with everybody out in the Christian world, we, we certainly don't. Um, and we may even have disagreements sometimes here in our own flock. We do just ask that you'll help us to walk in this unity and to walk in that love and forgiveness and understanding and a common searching after your will that will unify us and we rejoice father and give you give you the praise for the last 40 plus years here at Preston Crest of of really of really walking in a strong fellowship with each other and we pray that you'll bless us with with 40 more years 
uh, of that, Father. Unite us. Help us to continue serving and working together, caring for people who are hurting together, and forgiving each other and showing grace and mercy to others just as you have shown grace and mercy to us. That, Father, is our prayer. In the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. Let's be standing.